the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 706 now, final hour of the show. I'm Randy Corcoran. Good to have you here. Our phone number, 303-696-1971. 696-1971. We'll jump to the phones here in just a moment. want to outline the week very quickly for you. On Monday, I have the honor of co-moderating the CD4 debate, Congressional District 4 debate, with uh, now 10 candidates vying, vying to replace Ken Buck, who is not seeking another term in Congress. And uh, we'll be co-moderating that with Ernest Lunning from Colorado Peak Politics. And he and I spoke today, and uh, I think it's going to be a very fascinating debate. A lot of thought has gone into it. Douglas County officials have uh, really tried to plan this thing out and make it a tremendous event. And I, I, I don't know if there are tickets left or not. I think there might be. But you can just find the Douglas County Republican Party website, and tickets are available there if any remain. And then Tuesday night, our monthly Tea Party meeting, we'll be having a caucus training and uh, catching you up on all the things that are going on uh, legally and politically around the state and around the country. And uh, that, of course, is absolutely free. And if you, we, but you have to come with a ticket. We have to know who you are, and we're having seating problems. We never have enough chairs and sometimes never don't have enough room. So we need to know who's coming and you can get your free tickets by going to RBC FOR Colorado, RBC for Colorado.com. Go to the events page or uh, send us an email to Arapahoe Tea Party at gmail.com. Arapaho Tea Party at gmail.com. If you've just joined us for the fi- final hour, you missed an amazing hour plus interview with Garland Favorito, longtime election integrity advocate from Georgia, uh, co founder of VoterGA.org, VoterGA.org. And if you go to that website, look at legal or look at really any of the pages they have up, you'll see all the details from this almost four week trial we learned that finally occurred uh, against their Secretary of State Republican, Brad Raffensperger, and um, it involves Dominion machines and hacking on the witness stand and just a a thousand very, very interesting things. And before we go to the call, uh, I just want to point you to, let's see, did I I lose it? Oh, I can't have lost that, could I? Oh, yeah, here it is. As we were wrapping up with Garland, um, somebody sent me an email and said, uh, and I clicked on it. It's from Eric Metaxas, where just a couple of hours ago, and he's a defendant, a co-defendant, along with Donald Trump, along with Newsmax, who I, I guess they settled out, uh, Sidney Powell, Michelle Malkin, my client, uh, the Gateway Pundit, um, and Eric Metaxas, all co-defendants in a defamation trial in Denver County uh, from a Dominion employee. And But Eric Metaxas out tweeting again, and what he was referring to was a new study by the Heartland Institute that finds that mail-in ballot fraud has nothing to do with machines, but uh, you don't need the machines to prove the stolen election of 2020. 
But a new study by the Heartland Institute finds that mail-in ballot fraud significantly impacted the results of the 2020 election and that Trump would have most certainly, this is a quote, almost certainly won without the massive, often illegal expansion of mail-in voting. And of course, that's if you take the numbers at face value. And remember, 10,000, 11,000 votes in Georgia, smaller numbers in other states, slightly larger numbers in just a few other battleground states, a total of about 40,000 votes. That's it that separated Donald Trump winning the right districts and the right states to win the Electoral College. That was all they could do. They barely pulled it off. The study is more in-depth than that. We're not going to go into it. That's not uh, why I brought it up. But I had mentioned the Eric Metaxas Twitter uh, post and or X post and wanted to explain that to you before we move on. And we also had the, the same guy who sent that in told uh, wrote in and said, Hi, Randy. Like a lot of people, I am moving out of Colorado, going to Wyoming. In light of ongoing discussions about elections, it couldn't hurt to remind your listeners who are departing to go online and cancel their Colorado voter registration so that mail-in ballots aren't mailed to their previous address, possibly falling into the wrong hands. I did this a couple of weeks ago and just checked in to make sure mine had been removed, and it had. That's from Tim. Tim, I hate to see patriots leaving Colorado. I know it's happening all over the state. Good luck in Wyoming. I hope you'll still tune in on Saturday and maybe even call in once or twice, uh, you know, a month. So finally, we're going to go to the phones. 303-696-1971 is our number. Mike has been patiently waiting to talk about Dominion voting. Happy to do that, Mike. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Hi, uh, Dominion voting machines. Before the last election of uh, Joe Biden and uh, Trump, I heard on your station or KNUS about the fraud taking place in South America, I forget which country. And they talked about Dominion made by Swift, I believe. Yeah, I got a good mind at 75, I'm not Joe Biden. And uh, they were talking about the fraud, about being able to turn the Machines back and all this. It was a short time before the election. And it puzzles me as to why this was never mentioned on any local stations anywhere in this country. I listen to talk radio constantly. It has never been mentioned, discussed about the fraud in South America that took place just before the Trump election. Nobody said a thing about it, ever. And I was just, I couldn't believe it. And then they said they were bringing those machines here. And nobody said anything. Nobody said anything. Well, Mike, you're probably talking about Brazil, Smartmatic, Dominion, um, those connections. And, yeah, there's been a lot of of argument, a lot of presentation of information and evidence. The corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine doesn't want to talk about it. The soft, underbellied Republicans uh, are afraid to debate it. Um, And, you know, so be it. Uh, Court cases are ongoing. If you were with us during the first uh, couple hours of the show, we we talked a great deal about actual evidence in an actual courtroom waiting on a judge's determination. But, uh, you know, the people who say who are election fraud deniers 
and say, you know, because there's been 60 cases and the judges have turned them all away. Uh, that is not a trial on the merits of anything. And those trials are beginning to happen and they're going to continue to happen. And the information that comes out in my mind is very damning to continuing to lo- to use electronic voting machines. So, Mike, thank you very much for listening and waiting. Well, wait, really wait, wait, wait. I got one more thing to say, if you don't mind. I don't mind. You waited a long time. Uh, my point is, I never heard anything right after that about that. what I heard. It's like nobody else heard it. No talk radio host elaborated on this topic. You understand me? Nobody. I listen to a lot of talk radio. Nobody did. I'm not getting on you. Yeah, I'm Mike. Saying, I... I never heard a word mentioned. Well, not it, a word. Well, it, it was talked about, and it's part of the chain of com- conversations that have gone on working on this narrative and trying to get people to see beyond the end of their noses. And uh, we certainly haven't been afraid to talk about it here. And I really do appreciate you waiting well, I know, to weigh I in. I know and, that, but, you know, I'm talking about back then. Nobody ever I, talked about it. I got it, it. Mike. Mike I'm, I'm use all uh, the time. And, Mike, I've got it. I appreciate it. I'm going to jump because I've got full lines. God bless you, sir, and have a good rest of your weekend. Let's go to David in Thornton. David, welcome to the show. Thank you for, thank you for taking my call. I got the... Uh, I, I watched that uh, voting that went on in Iowa. No mail-in balloting. Uh, no uh, drop boxes. Uh, you had to have voter ID, and look how that turned out. Massive win for Trump. Yeah, I don't understand why people are opposed to simply doing same-day, uh, hand-counted, voting, local precinct level voting. So, you know, you don't have one facility dealing with a million ballots. You've got a million facilities dealing with, you know, a, a 20, 50, 75 ballots or, or what, however it breaks down. Uh, and I certainly don't understand why the opponents of uh, trying to secure elections are trying to stop voter ID. And actually, I'm lying when I say that because I absolutely understand that it. it's because they don't want safe and secure elections. I agree with you 100 percent, but I just look at that Iowa and I said, you know, you you can't uh, go around picking up people's ballots and dropping them off and doing that. You have to have that voter ID, which I I go back to when, you know, I'm 85, but I don't really go to the I don't mail in because I don't believe in mail in. Even though I get the ballots, I don't mail them in. Uh, I want to be able to go to that booth and vote personally, you know, but being that I can't do it, I just don't vote. But I do uh, uh, always pray that we get Trump back in there. Well, David, I'm sorry to hear that you don't vote because I can guarantee you there are plenty of people who would be willing to come and pick up your ballot sealed ballot and just simply deliver it to uh, a voting location, not drop it in a box, not drop it in the mail. But I I think even putting it in the mail, given that that's the system that we have in Colorado, would be better than you abstaining from voting. I'm with you, man. I used to take my kids on Election Day, and they remember it. And it 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 was almost a sacred event 
to go in there and, you know, have that opportunity as a citizen of this constitutional republic to have our voices heard and our voices count. And it means almost nothing now when you, the ballot gets mailed in and you can mail it back and you've got, you know, four weeks of early voting and they'll count the ballots after the election is over and on and on and on. So, But I would encourage you to either call a Republican Party, get somebody to pick your ballot up or even mail it back. That That is better than you not having your voice heard. Well, it isn't so much not having my voice heard. I want to be there. I want to be there personally to vote. That's why I, I enjoyed that. I, You know, that was one of the things that I enjoyed doing was going, you know, we used to have it at the school, you know, and I just loved going there sure. early in the morning, standing in line. And it wasn't normally a long line, you know, but showing my identification, they checked me off on the, on the list there and uh, gave me a, a ballot to go vote, you know, and I just, I just enjoyed doing it that way. Right now, I feel like, I, I almost feel like I'm not voting, even though I'm mailing it in. You know, I just feel, I, I just have a different feeling. Yeah, it ain't. You know what I mean? It ain't the same, and boy, you can say that about an awful lot in Colorado and society as a whole, in our schools and. And yeah, they they've tried to turn voting into something far less significant than it really is, and they've created so much distrust in uh, the you know the outcomes of these elections. And it's not because people like me are willing to talk about the things that go wrong or the things that they do or the things that they have done. It's because people have an innate sense about it. When voting stops at it, you know two o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden when it picks up again. You know, the leading candidate has dropped down by tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or the 20,000 votes that Herschel Walker lost in a four minute span while other candidates were going up in that Georgia runoff election. Those make people scratch their head and say, you know, why should I bother? But, uh, man, we're fighting to bring it back. We're fighting to call it out and we're not going to stop. And, uh, David, I appreciate you listening and calling in tonight. God bless you. And uh, I hope that we can get these elections to where the that uh, one person doesn't tell me who I can and who I cannot vote for. Thank hey, you and have a good day. Thank you, David. You take good care. Have a good weekend. All right, we've got uh, we've got full lines. David line, David's line will be open momentarily. 303-696-1971, 696-1971. Before we go to break, let's remind ourselves of a couple of things. Democrats Lie. Where do you stand today? Is Joe Biden the right person to represent your party in 2024? You know, it's funny. I hear a lot of uh, people asking me about his age. And as a native person, I really have a tremendous amount of respect for elders. I think that Joe Biden's mental acuity is very, very on. He's one of the smartest, sharpest people I've met in D.C., that is Alaska Democrat House Rep. Mary Patola talking about this guy. 14 million new jobs since I became president. 169 new jobs in Wisconsin. <laughs> that cracked me up the first time I heard it. 14 million new jobs since I became president. 169. He was in Wisconsin that day, here in Wisconsin. And then one more from Creepy Sleepy. Donald Trump. When he was commander in chief, refused to visit a cemetery, U.S. cemetery outside of Paris. 
for fallen American soldiers. And he referred to those heroes, and I quote, as suckers and losers. He actually said that. He said that. How dare he say that? God. How dare he talk about my son and all of us dressed like that? And not to admit that. He mumbles through it. He screams. Uh, you know, the, the signs of dementia are so apparent with this guy. And, of course, he's lying. The suckers and losers is a hoax. And his son was not killed in battle. His son died of cancer. And, you know, I lost a brother. I lost a spouse. I, I don't take any pleasure in that. But his son did not die in battle. And he talks about him as though he did. But never fear. Never fear. And I'll tell you why. I'm Vice President of the United States. Anything that I handle is because it's a tough issue. Yeah. And just think, if they take Biden out early, before he finishes his term, we'll have somebody who handles tough issues. I'm Vice President of the United States. Anything that I handle is because it's a tough issue. She's not going to be the nominee either. But she could literally have her hands on the nuclear codes for a few months before Michelle Obama parachutes in and before Donald Trump is sworn in in January of 2025. Perish the thought. All right, we're going to take a break here. We've got full lines. We'll get right back to your calls. So much more ahead here on 710K in U.S. Yeah, I, the first time I heard that, chills up and down my spine. And it's just so remarkable. That singer, when she sang that song, Angelina Jordan, was 14 years old. 14 years old. So anyway, I hope that was a treat for you. It certainly was for me. We're going to get back to our full lines in just one second. But if you have any doubt, any wonder, any question at all, why Donald Trump is not only crushing Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley, what the hell is she doing? Uh, what an embarrassment to continue to try and run. But if anybody wonders why Trump is surging ahead of creepy, sleepy showers with daughter Joe Biden in the national polls, you only have to listen to a few seconds. And if the Senate wants to pass a real border bill, they should establish criminal penalties for senior Biden officials who refuse to enforce the existing law. They don't want to do anything. You know, you don't need a bill. The president has the right to say, close the borders. The bill is a hoax. The Democrats are asking for this bill. That's so ridiculous. It's a horrible bill. It's actually going to make it worse. But I keep saying, you don't need a bill. I did it. I had no bill. Yeah, Trump suggested pass criminal laws to prosecute officials who don't enforce the law that exists. And one more real quick, then off to the phone. When I'm president, instead of trying to send the state of Texas a restraining order, I will send them reinforcements. They're going to get reinforcements. They're doing a good job. And I'll use all necessary military and law enforcement resources to defend the United States of America. We're going to be very strong. And within moments of my inauguration, we will begin the largest deportation operation in American history. We have no choice. We have no choice. We have no choice. Democrats are running out of options. Their court cases aren't going to stop him. And my biggest fear is somebody tries to find a bullet.
to shoot him and take him out. And so pray for Donald Trump. Pray for Joe Biden. I mean, we have to pray for all of our leaders and even the creepy, sleepy ones. Uh, God's hand can change an awful lot of things. But, uh, man, I pray for the safety of Donald Trump, who could be living on his own private island someplace right now if he wanted to, and yet continues to fight like hell for this country. Such an amazing thing. All right. Many of you know that uh, had I been back last week, I would have primarily talked to you, or not primarily, but significantly talked to you about the Republican National Committee meeting, our winter meeting. I attended it after the two-day RNC meeting from Turning Point Action, Restoring National Confidence Summit, in a hotel right across the street from the RNC meeting. And uh, I was snowed out, so we didn't have a live show last week. But Joan has been patiently waiting to talk about the, uh, the winter meeting and a vote that we took there, I guess. And so be very interested to hear what Joan has to say. Joe, well, Joan, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Randy, and God bless you. Um, please be careful going home. It is getting really nasty out. Yeah, we get um, we get this moisture, and then it gets warm enough to get wet, and then it freezes solid. Uh, this has been uh, a couple of tricky weeks in Colorado. So the reason I called is because um, there was a standing committee on rules that took a, a vote, and I'm not sure whether you voted in it or not. And they amended uh, Rule 3A, and they wanted to change the National Committee Man and Committee Woman's um, term of serving from what it is now to serving until the winter meeting. So it adds, like, an extra segment, I think, or maybe two, because... I think you, normally the the chair people take over at the convention. Is that how that works? So, then, yeah, let me explain this to folks what you're talking about. I'm the Republican National Committee man for Colorado, Vera Ortegon, the Republican National Committee man, committee woman. We are elected. <laughs> we're elected to four. Well, you know, it's fluid these days, I so know, you can I just know. pick and choose. Um <laughs> The Republic, it's interesting that the Republican rules still mandate that there be one committee man and one committee woman. Thank God that we are willing to recognize actual genders that exist. But um, so we're elected to a four year term. The election uh, was in April when I was elected. I think it may be in April again this year. Um, and then the term you you are sworn in at the end of the presidential convention and you actually attend your first meeting in January at the winter meeting. We just had the January winter meeting for 2024. Whoever wins Republican National Committee position um, in the upcoming elections around the country will be sworn in at the convention, but they won't attend their first meeting or do anything until January of 2025. That is the current rule. And so the Rules Committee, I'm not on the Rules Committee. Uh, Vera Ortegon is, as I recall, um, they voted to submit to the entire voting assembly, the entire uh, convention, the, the voters at the convention in Milwaukee, this proposed rule change that you mentioned, which would extend the term, this time only, would extend the term of the sitting national committee people, including me, uh, beyond the end of the presidential convention and up until the January meeting. 
and it was a close vote. It was 26 to 25, I think. And so barely squeaked through. That is not a rule change. That is a rule change that's being proposed that will have to be voted on at the presidential convention in Milwaukee. And so um, before I tell you some of the reasoning that I heard for it and against it, um, what are your thoughts about it, Joan? I, I'm a little concerned whenever you start changing rules in the middle of an election year, it kind of makes me go, how come? And then it's like a one-time thing, so it makes me think, Whoa. how come, how come? I'm sorry. Well, let me clarify that because I, I didn't state that well. Um, okay. It, it, it will only be a one-time thing for me and others who are current committee people because for that it will be a permanent rule change. So from then on, any committee person who is elected this year will not take office until the winter meeting of the following year. So they'll have a full four-year term. Uh, people like me who are currently in office would be the only ones who get an, uh, their term extended to start this new um, scheduling or sequencing. Okay. Well, that makes me feel a little better. Um, yeah. And... Um and, and I guess it has to take place in an even year because that's when you have the convention and that's when the delegates vote on it. So I guess I understand that. Um, but it kind of makes me wonder um, why we're changing this rule and why we're changing it right now in the middle of this very chaotic um Well, let me tell you the pros and cons that I heard. And I have not decided how I'll vote on this. I haven't even decided okay. if I'm going to run again. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting close to that decision, but, um, and I suppose I would benefit from that, especially if Trump is elected because, you know, get, attend an inauguration and things like that. That's are very exciting, um, fringe benefits for this very expensive position, this very expensive volunteer unpaid position. Um, but the people who are most against it, of course, are those who are running for the office. Because now, instead of taking their office at the end of the presidential convention in Milwaukee at the end of July, um, and then perhaps having the benefit of attending a Trump event or an inauguration or something like that, they won't take office until the the January meeting in 2025. So they're not happy about it at all. The arguments for doing it is that, and I experienced this myself, I was elected in April of 2020. I was went to the presidential convention as a delegate, um, and I was sworn in as a national committee man at the end of that convention, and then I did absolutely nothing for four months. I had no connections. I had no training. I had no understanding about how it worked, who I should talk to, and that didn't start until the winter meeting in January. So I did a lot on my own, reaching out to people, introducing myself, you know, trying to get the lay of the land, reading the national rules, you know, just trying to understand some of that. Um, but there's no training. There's no – it's really wasted time. So the argument is that that's always been a bad policy. It's never been more important than for the four months after the convention trying to elect whoever the Republican nominee is as president – and we need the experience of experienced committee men and women to do what they do, to raise money, to get out the messages, to you know do all the things that come together for successful election results. So those are the arguments for it. 
argument against it is obviously it impacts negatively people who will be elected to that position this year. But that'll be the last time because the term will then run from January meeting to the January meeting four years later. Well, that's very interesting. I appreciate you um, um, looking at that. Um, and I, I wanted to share with you um, that I went um, to uh, the um, office on Friday morning, the studio, and I gave everybody chicken wings. And if it wasn't snowy, I would come and give you chicken wings <laughs> All right. for, the, uh, for the Super Bowl. But it's too snowy, too snowy. Well, that's then, that's very nice. I'll bet because we've got a new morning show now with Je- with my good friend Jeff right. Hunt and former uh, mm-hmm. uh, Peter Boyle's producer Billy Billy Billy. Um, God, um, Bill Thorpe. He's calling himself Bill Thorpe. Thorpe Thank Thorpe you, now. thanks, John. I God, brain. I may be well, I may be edging into a little Bidenitis. I don't know. <laughs> but um, well, so yeah, the yeah, Jeff and Bill yeah. show that that's really cool and. Um, the soup are you you know how many people care about the Super Bowl now is it is it still I, I turned off the NFL. I don't know I don't know I'm I'm not really looking forward to it that much um I'm actually looking forward to Monday night Monday night is a city council meeting here in Lakewood uh-huh. and we have had um, a lot of people asking a lot of questions and so I think that it will be a pretty lively um well, Joan, I'd appreciate it. I will be moderating the uh, CD4 debate with the nine or ten candidates who are going to show up on Monday night. But maybe you can call in next Saturday and let us know because there are some scary things going on in Lakewood. Um, I've got other callers. I see we're up. Gosh, we're up to the last segment of the show. So really appreciate you holding, calling in, and I hope that answer helped you as far as the RNC vote. Yeah. I can understand why I, I, some people would be concerned. I would love to have you run again for council. Um for a committee man. I I voted for you before. I think you've done a tremendous job. I would love to have you run again. So please think about the people that you're serving while you make this decision. Well, I got to tell you, chicken wings can go a long way. So keep that in mind. I will. <laughs> God Thanks. bless, Joe. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was very kind of Joan. All right, we we do have to take a pause. We'll get to everybody on the phones, 303-696-1971. I've got some audio I've got to share with you from Molly Hemingway. Um, a lot of other stuff I'd hope to play tonight, but Molly Hemingway and Secretary of State Jenna Griswold um, are all on deck along with your calls. Final segment of the show ahead right here on 710-KNUS. Amen, brother, sister. We need God to return to our country. We need our country to return to God. I think he's just waiting on us, don't you? I intend to continue to fight to make sure that there is at least one place on earth where people who believe have the freedom to choose to worship as they see fit. And that is no longer a certainty even here in America. What were the first places to get shut down during the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus hoax scandal? I don't mean there wasn't an illness out there, but they lied to us about 
where it came from. They lied to us about what it would take to protect ourselves. They lied to us about the efficacy of mac- of masks. They lied to us about the utility of vaccines and the safety of vaccines and the testing of vaccines. And people are paying the price day in and day out. And while they'd keep pot shops and liquor stores and gambling halls and other places wide open, they tried to shut down the churches. And I was so happy, I am so happy to be able to say that not one of my church-related clients wound up closing or being closed by the state as a result of COVID. If you push back, you can win. All right, our callers for the last segment have dropped off. I forget what Ron wanted to talk about. I know Mike wanted to talk about the Ken Buck vote. Ken Buck, of course, not running again for CD4, voted against the impeachment of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. I wish we had a, a string of his audio saying over and over, the border is secure. Anyone who says the border is not secure is not Aware of the facts, the border is secure. They lie to you. They lie to you over and over and over. And it's very, very interesting. That vote went down by two votes. Well, I guess it, yeah, no. Yeah, one vote would have been a tie, 215 to 215. Um, I know Steve Scalise, because of illness, was not there to vote. Um, but two votes would have been a win, would have been 216 to 214 the other way. And two of the three Republicans who voted against that impeachment are not running again. Ken Buck is one of them. And now we've just heard the announcement of, or I just read about it, Mike Gallagher has announced that he will not be running again. And I heard him try to explain that vote on the Hugh Hewitt show a few mornings ago. Did not work for me. Uh, the, the idea that someone who is sworn to uphold the Constitution, laws that are in place, lies, bald-faced, bold-faced, lies to the, fa- the face of the American people and tells us that our border is secure And you, as a Republican, Ken Buck, Mike Gallagher, what was the other guy, McClintock, I think, are going to tell us that you're standing on principle, not standing with your party, not standing up in this time of absolute political and legal warfare against the values that founded this country, have made it the strongest, most prosperous, most successful, most secure country in the history of the world. Until recently, I don't understand it. I am guessing that will be one of the many topics that comes up in the Monday debate between all of the multiple candidates running for CD4 in Douglas County. If there are tickets available, you can go to the Douglas County GOP website and find them. Uh, Tuesday night, of course, is our monthly Arapahoe Tea Party. And... uh, Tickets are free, but you got to get them because we have seating problems and space problems over there. Um, we pack the house quite often. You can get those tickets at rbc4colorado.com, rbcforcolorado.com, or sending an email by sending an email to Arapahoe County Tea Party. I'm sorry, not that. Arapahoe Tea Party at gmail.com, Arapahoe Tea Party at gmail.com. 
Com. All right. I wanted to make sure before the end of the show, given all of the time that we spent on election integrity and the Raffensperger case in Georgia that involved Dominion machines and, and constitutionality and cybersecurity and all of those things with our great guest, Garland Favorito, go to VoterGA.org, VoterGA.org to learn so much more. You've got to hear Molly Hemingway's testimony to Congress. I think this was within the last week. Instead of voters being able to nope. vote for the candidate of their choice. No, no, no. Start here. Hemingway, you're not recognized for five minutes. Chairman Style, Ranking Member Morell, distinguished members of this committee, thank you for giving me the opportunity to testify today. The American system of self-governance is under attack. Instead of an election day where everyone votes at the same time and with the same full set of information, votes are counted quickly, and everyone promptly knows and trusts the outcome, we now have lengthy election seasons that can last months prior to and even after Election Day. The situation is so absurd that we have presidential and gubernatorial debates weeks after some people have already voted. Instead of having total security and a verifiable chain of custody for ballots being issued, cast, and counted, we flood addresses across the country with tens of millions of unsupervised mail-in ballots months ahead of elections, frequently to locations from which voters, if they're even alive, have long since moved. Instead of having election administration that is rigorously nonpartisan and impartial under the law, we have allowed the private takeover of government election offices by partisan oligarchs and their armies of activists who use those offices and their authorities to tilt the election toward favored candidates. Molly Hemingway wrote a wonderful book about the stolen election in 2020 and did not mention machines one time. She continued. Instead of voters being able to vote for the candidate of their choice, powerful interests backed by wealthy oligarchs are working to remove the most popular candidate and the ruling party's chief opponent from the ballot in a move reminiscent of Soviet Russia. And if that weren't enough, instead of the top candidates chosen by the people being able to fully engage in a vigorous campaign heading into an election, we have one side actively attempting to throw its opponent in prison and bankrupt his family, again, reminiscent of Soviet Russia. Instead of a system of rule of law that gives Americans the same rights and due process, the Department of Justice and other partisan actors are prosecuting their opposition, whether powerful or lowly, and doing so in places where partisan juries will ensure a quick conviction. Instead of a free and independent press that shares news and information to help inform voters, we have a press that is almost exclusively the arm of one political party and is so corrupt that it is willing to perpetrate hoax after hoax against opposition party members. Instead of a vibrant public square where Americans can debate issues and express their strongly held views, we have an elaborate censorship industrial complex where the government works hand in hand with tech oligarchs to suppress and blacklist debate on all the important issues that contribute to election outcomes. This is something I know firsthand because our government worked with tech companies to censor me for my election reporting. And I'll just say, if you haven't read Molly Hemingway's book, Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech, and the Democrats Seized Our Elections, it's the definitive account of the 2020 election, and it doesn't 
talk about machines. Machines are an added bonus, but uh, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. She wrapped up like this. Allowing just one of these attacks to infect our electoral system would be a crisis. Allowing all of them at the same time is an existential threat to our system of self-government. In my best-selling book on how election administration has been co-opted by groups seeking political power, I reported on a new phenomenon in the 2020 election that has already severely eroded trust and needs to be addressed decisively. In the last presidential election, nonprofit groups with very strong ties to the Democrat Party and funded by one of the world's wealthiest and most powerful men, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg, took over government election offices, most notably in the Democrat areas of swing states. Since then, the efforts by partisans to further infiltrate government election offices to ensure favorable outcomes have only increased. I look forward to answering questions about how the private oligarch takeover of elections is a threat to our system of self-government. Thank you very Ab- much, Ms. Absolutely fantastic. And 100% true. And, of course, the Zuck bucks that she's talking about, the Mark Zuckerberg dollars, the 400 and what was it, $60 million that all flowed through CTCL, the... Dick Wadham's side of the Republican Party's choice for nominee for Secretary of State Pam Anderson, a board member at CTCL. I think we were the only show here on this station and maybe uh, among many around this state that were willing to talk about that. So we did not get to the Jenna Griswold comments about the Supreme Court and their spanking of her lawyer on the Trump ballot case. We may have a ruling. I think the court will rule fairly quickly on that one because election clocks are running around the country. And so we'll save that audio for next week. It should you'll you'll really enjoy hearing just how stilted and nonsensical this woman sounds. But anyway, great show. If you missed any of it, get the podcast later. They'll be up very, very soon. Really appreciate you being here. Always remember, never forget. God loves you. So do I. Love to my late wife in heaven. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double chance does what the f- he wants. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.